Let's say you have someone that you do business with regularly and you do pay a little bit of a premium, but you're okay with it. Right. And then all of a sudden the customer service becomes crappy and you think in your head right away, well, I'm actually paying a premium, but my service stinks. I'm not paying a premium. I'm not willing to pay a premium for crappy service. So you leave. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Would you describe your balance sheet as a fortress? Are your products and services properly priced at a profit, or are they considered the silent killer to your business? Would you consider yourself someone who can see the future? Well, my guest today, Ken, Mr. Biz Wentworth, will answer those questions and many more during our interview. You see, Ken developed his expertise during 20-plus years in leadership positions while rising to the top 3% at J.P. Morgan Chase. Ken is the author of two best-selling business books, Pathway to Profits and How to Be a Cashflow Pro, which have helped thousands upon thousands of business owners. He's regularly quoted as a business expert in the media, including Forbes, American Express, Fast Company, Business News Daily, Columbus CEO, and most recently in Yahoo Finance. He's the host of the successful radio show, B2B Radio, which focuses on helping business owners become more profitable. Finally, he's broken six, I mean six world records in the sport of drug-free powerlifting. Ken is a very interesting man who's a true entrepreneur, first and foremost, and a business advisor, very close second. His clients this year refer to him as Nostradamus, and he tells the story behind that futuristic reference in our interview. This is his second appearance, and you can listen to our first interview by going to Season 2, Episode 42, and the episode is titled, Being a Strategic Partner with Businesses. You can learn more about Ken by going to his website, www.mrbizsolutions.com. That's www.mrbizsolutions.com. Now, before we get to the interview, a few housekeeping items. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? 
Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders. A story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in-person and on-site at your location, or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Ken, Mr. Biz, Wentworth. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I've got a return visitor with me today. And actually, when I looked at the calendar, it's almost, today is November 6th. It's almost one year to the day that I interviewed interviewed you last year for my podcast. And I can't believe how time flies. And my guest today is Ken Wentworth, otherwise known as Mr. Biz. Welcome, Ken. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Yeah, actually, I can't believe that. It's actually been almost a year. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's been that long at all. But I think uh, per- perhaps the pandemic has, you know, e- erased time in our minds in some way. <laughs> I, I I believe it has because I, I will have to say this year has flown by. And I was saying something to my wife the other day. Said, I don't want it to fly by. I said, the quicker we get out of 2020, the quicker we'll get to a vaccine. Let's get the hell out of this place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hate to wish time away. Yeah. Uh, I'm always hesitant on that as well. But, oh, my gosh. it's And plus, you see on social media all the hilarious memes people have created about, <laughs> you know, 2020 this and 2020 that. So right. uh, it's funny. I just saw one yesterday that I hadn't seen before. I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Rain. I think it's called uh, Rain of Terror. Reign of Terror, Reign of Fury, something like that. Uh, Christian Bale was in it, I think. And it was set in, I was probably a 15-year-old movie. It was set in the year 2020. (laughs) And in the movie, there there are flying, uh, fire-breathing dragons. So someone put a a clip from the movie and they said, hey, by the way, just so you remember, this movie was set in 2020 and it had a picture of a fire-breathing dragon (laughs) flying. They said, the dragons are yet to come. So brace yourself. <laughs> oh, please no. <laughs> well, well, Ken and I were having a conversation, I don't know, maybe about three weeks ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I didn't really realize that Ken could see the future in some ways, and his clients started referring to him as Nostradamus. And uh, <laughs> which, which is why I wanted to get him back on the podcast because he's got a, a very interesting story on what he was doing with his clients back in June of last year, right? Yeah, actually, like April, May. Yeah, a little, a couple months earlier than that. But yeah, we, um, you know, I, and I, I have to honestly, for this, I have to thank uh, I, the guy who was my mentor, who didn't know he's my mentor, uh, Jamie Diamond, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, because I worked there and I learned a ton from him. Even even at most times, it was at a distance. I did get to be with him uh, here and there a bit, um, which was actually very intimidating, I should add. <laughs> um, super intelligent guy, uh, very charismatic. But anyway, you know, one of the things he preaches all the time is to have a fortress balance sheet. And it came to fruition. And, I, you know, he used to preach that, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Ever since he had taken over 
um, at, at that time, back then, back one in 2000, he talked about, we're going to build a fortress balance sheet, fortress balance sheet. And even as an accountant um, with an you know, accounting undergrad, uh, undergrad, you know, okay, fortress balance sheet. I get it. I get it. It almost became cliched. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, fast forward to 2008, 2009, when the economic downturn hits, and holy crap, I got to see a fortress balance sheet in full working order in that because we had prepared for that, we were able to, and I say we at the time, I was at J.P. Morgan Chase, we were able to make two acquisitions at, I won't say pennies on the dollar, but dimes on the dollar in you know, buying Washington Mutual and buying Bear Stearns. Because they were not prepared, neither one of them had a fortress balance sheet, and so they got into a distressed situation, and we had the capital and wherewithal to be able to make a purchase and and save both of those companies from bankruptcy. And so I saw it all of a sudden. It all came to you know sort of that ah you know moment where it's like everything comes to fruition. It's like holy crap, this is really important. And. Um, so it really made an impression on me. So I, since I've become, uh, a, you know, an on-demand CFO, I really looked at, and that's what, looked to do that. And that's what I did uh, last year. Was I started to, you know, talk to all my clients at the time about, hey, we got to make sure. And we'd always been working on building our balance sheets, but I really wanted to make a concerted effort because I said, there's an economic downturn coming. I, I don't, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as severe as 2008, 2009. This was me last year saying this. And it was funny, all my clients are like, oh my gosh, paranoid Paul, like, geez, like, you know, <laughs> like what are you talking about? Because for lack of a better term, they had become fat, dumb, and happy because of the 10 years of economic prosperity that we had all enjoyed. And so everything's great and everything grows every year and revenue goes up every year. And, you know, we all spend more and hire more people and blah, blah, blah. And I said, look, I'm not trying to be negative, but part of my job as your CFO is, you know, risk management. And I'm not saying this to be pessimistic. I'm saying it's part of the business cycle. We're actually overdue, well overdue for a downturn, right? Typical business cycle over time has been about five years. And we had been 10 years in. So we're well overdue. So I, I began preparing them and saying, look, I, the, the earliest I think this is going to happen is July 1st of 2020. So I want to make sure that we are prepared for July 1st of 2020, that we will have a, a 20% drop in revenue. So what does that look like? Um, and then it could get worse. And so I ran out scenarios for them starting with July 1st of 2020 out 24 months, figuring a downturn again, historically last 18 to 24 months. Mm-hmm. Let me go worst case scenario here and go 24 months and run it out and run cash flow projections and saying, okay, if we lose 20% of our revenue and then it goes to 25% and even 30% over time, what does that look like over that 24 months? Can we withstand that? Do we have to tap into a line of credit? You know, we don't want to do those things. We're going to have to lay people off. Obviously, we don't want to do those things if we don't have to. So again, they're all telling me I'm paranoid, Paul, and you know, whatever. <laughs> and then again, fast forwarding uh, a, a bit. You know, we get to March and the pandemic hits, and then the, the, everything goes. You know, the crap hits the fan, as they say. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, my my clients are like, "Oh my gosh." You're a genius. You can see the future. I'm like, well, hold on a second. Like, I, I didn't know there was going to be a pandemic. I didn't know this was going to cause an economic downturn. That's not what I expected at all. I just thought the normal economic flow was going to cause it. But they're like, no, no, no. You should take credit where credit's due. This is great. You know, we're prepared for this. And I will mention so that two of my clients now, one has made two acquisitions in the last six months of competitors. That did, mm-hmm. did not have the same, same scenario, right, Peter? It, it, they did not have the fortress balance sheet. Mm-hmm. They couldn't make it through the pandemic. And so 
at first blush, you say, oh, well, then that's, you know, you're taking advantage of someone's, uh, you know, downfall. No, it's complete opposite. Think about these businesses that they're going under. Now, is it a benefit for us? Of course, because now we can acquire assets, right? Trucks on the road for a service business, for example, at a deeply discounted rate because they're liquidating their assets, it's, of course. But think of the people in those businesses that were losing their jobs that we say, hey, wait a minute, we need right. you. Right. Come over here mm-hmm. and, and work with us because we have this volume. We're taking on the volume now that your business cannot no longer do. As we take on that market share and that additional volume, we need people. So come over here. You're not losing your job. Now we get a seasoned pro in the industry. Mm-hmm. We save their job. We increase, you know, we grow our business. So it's it's really a win-win. So one acquired me two acquisitions in the last six months. And another one, their top competitor in their market went out of business, which they were the, the two of them in their market control about 60% of their of their uh, market in, mm-hmm. in their geography. So now all of a sudden it's it's we're 60% mm-hmm. <laughs> because we acquired that business and again we were able to keep everyone but one person and it was the owner and it, the only reason we didn't keep him was he's in his 60s and he said look I'm tapping out write me a check I'm tapping out like mm-hmm. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And he said I don't I don't want I don't want to stick around until the next you know downturn. I'm good. Right. Like this it's a good time for me to make my exit stage left and and be good. So so uh, was it was a really good you know win win I looked at it as we saved those jobs for those folks and not, and obviously you know it does benefit my clients as well but um, I think it's very very important to always keep that in mind and make sure you're you're ready for those things as best you can. So, I mean, a couple of things fly through my head as we're having this discussion. What's the opposite? What's your definition of the opposite of a fortress balance sheet? <laughs> uh, I have to think about that. Is that a, like a, a plastic balance sheet? Uh, a, a, a flimsy a, a, balance sheet? <laughs> a, a leaking balance sheet? Yes, there you go. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. 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 So, but what, what, you know, as the thing, as the thing about part of my audience that, you know, may not, get the whole conceptual idea here. Uh, they're entrepreneurs or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. What causes this leaky plastic type of balance sheet and how can you avoid that and, and turn it into more of a fortress type of balance sheet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the biggest things, again, simplistically, without getting too deep into the weeds, simplistically is making sure you have an adequate cash reserve. Um, and it's a really delicate balance though, especially right now with interest rates so darn low I want to make sure that my clients have a good a good reserve cash balance, but I don't want it to be too big, right? Because it's it's almost useless, right? You've got it parked in, let's say, a savings account or something that's easily liquid, and it's earning nothing. It's doing nothing for your business. It's not helping you grow the business. It's not earning any money for you. So there's a balance there for sure. What I try to do is we keep a certain. So we we determine. I determine how much we need it depending on the business and their normal expenses and things like that. What, what their balance reserve should be in cash. And then we take that balance and we say, okay, we're going to keep this much in a highly liquid uh, account, such as a savings account, let's say, mm-hmm. which is, you know, 0.15% <laughs> interest instead of 0.1% or 0.05 right. in a checking, but nonetheless. And then we take a chunk of it and we put it into something that's semi-liquid, I'll call it. Actually, it's pretty liquid, but something that you can get to within a week. Mm-hmm. So if you've got some sort of mutual fund that's maybe in a in a, a, a very safe uh, account, but it's it's earning at least a couple percent for you and okay. not 0.15%. <laughs> right. And right. then the other big piece of it is, yeah, the other second big piece 
is making sure that you're you know you're not leveraged. You're not your leverage isn't too high. So you don't. What I mean by that is, if you have debt, mm-hmm. let's look to get the debt down because that becomes a big burden when you run into a situation where revenue stream, your pipeline starts to dry up and you have less money coming in the door, but you have these fixed debt service expenses you have to make for you know whatever debt you might have. So really looking to get those down to a manageable level. Frankly, if we get them to zero, that'd be great. But um, and I'm not ultra conservative in that. I, you know, I think debt is good when it's when it's helping you grow your business, right? Mm-hmm. If it's if it's revenue growing debt and it's cheap, let's do it. I'm all about it. Right. But in this situation with with that, you know, we want to make sure we're liquid. And we could even be in a position where we've got enough of a cash reserve to where if we needed to, you know, we balance it out between, hey, how much debt do we pay down to reduce our monthly expenses, fixed expenses to take it out of cash? You know, that, again, it's a delicate balance and it varies for every business is different. Uh, depending on their normal uh, run rate of expenses and everything. But those are the two biggest things uh, is being as simplistic as you can about it right. to really shore those two things up to to make sure you're in a good position. I, the, the one uh, piece of terminology that I heard a lot from a lot of my speaker friends when this all came about and the pandemic hit and businesses, uh, you know, gigs were being canceled. And all of a sudden I kept hearing, wow, I, I really need to figure out what my burn rate is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So basically, what's, what, you know, and, and people have asked me, so what, I said, well, you've got certain expenses that are, are reoccurring, mm-hmm. right? So you need to look at those yeah. reoccurring expenses and, and, and cash flow that out. And can you at least cover that? And if you can't, you need to, you need to whittle those down. Are they necessary for your business? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say along those lines is one of the other mistakes I see. In that scenario, the businesses make just, oh my gosh, too often is, okay, and I'm sure a lot of business owners went through this and maybe not in March, but April, June timeframe is they say, they start to see that burn rate, right? If they didn't know what it was before then, they got smacked in the face with it, right? Yeah, they <laughs> figured out pretty quickly, you know, what that meant and what it was. Yeah, they got burned, exactly. <laughs> there was, there was, they smelled a, a, a singeing smell and they're like, what the heck is that? Oh, wait, it's my pants. Um <laughs> <laughs> and one of the mistakes I see business owners make too often is when that happens, so revenue starts to decrease and you panic. And you when, you, when, you, when it finally hits you, that day that it hits you and you panic and you go, holy crap, I have to reduce my expenses. Of course, right? You need to do that. However, I like to take a two-thronged two approach when, it, when reducing expenses. And that is the worst thing you've got, you can do, and again, this is what too many people do, is they begin to just almost not completely indiscriminately, but almost indiscriminately reducing expenses. And I caution everyone against that because here's what happens. The last thing you want to do is reduce expenses that may impact future revenue. So your revenues are already down and then you start to reduce expenses that have a direct impact on your future pipeline. So now you've just created a a massive, you know, vicious cycle circle of, Okay, I reduced my expenses by twenty percent, but now that in turn reduced my pipeline by ten percent. Now my my revenue is down even further. Crap! Right. I need to reduce expenses again. You right, and you just keep it. It's it's terrible. And so, how to avoid that? Two quick things. Um, I, when I look at cutting expenses, I look at we we literally go down every single line on the PNL mm-hmm. on the expense side and say, okay, we score each line on a, a, between one and three. Does it have a direct impact on revenue? Does it have an indirect re- impact on revenue or has no impact? So it gets a, a three, two, or one. 
And then we look at it. Here's another thing that mm. could kill revenue, customer service. Mm-hmm. People <laughs> overlook this a lot of times and they say, you know, customer service, you, you don't retain customers then, right? Right. And, and, and people leave you. Uh, I just saw the statistic. 62% of people who leave you, customers who leave, they leave you due to customer services, not due to price. Right. Which everyone thinks is, and price is part of it, but it's not the majority. So you want to make sure that when you're cutting these expenses, you're not killing your customer service, which is going to kill your retention, which again, is going to have a downstream impact negative on your revenue, future revenue. The same thing and say, does this have a direct impact on customer service, indirect or no impact? And then we start looking at those, those that got a six. So they have direct impact on revenue and a direct on customer service. I, I avoid those like the plague. Mm-hmm. I don't want to cut those at all. If I, if I can help it, those are the absolute last ones. If it's a five or six, actually, mm-hmm. anything below a five, you know, four, four, a one to four, or zero to four, I guess could be, I, want, I guess two to four would be. Mm-hmm. They're fair game. And if there are two, they might get cut 100%. They might get cut 80%, temporarily at least, right? Until we write right. the ship. Right. But I think that's two important exercises to go through to ensure you don't end up in that vicious cycle that I mentioned of, Revenue's down, you cut expenses and you cause them to go down again. It's, it's really a bad situation to be in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right. Uh, vast majority of people, I believe, I, I know I'm one of them. I, I don't really uh, leave for price, uh, but if it's bad customer service, I'll, I'll give them two opportunities. Uh, mm-hmm. And then after that, as, as they said in The Godfather, you're dead to me. Oh, The Sopranos, you're dead to me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yes, absolutely. Well, and think about it. I was going to say, think about the scenario. Let's say you have someone that you do business with regularly and you do pay a little bit of a premium, but you're okay with it. Right. And then all of a sudden the customer service becomes crappy and you think in your head right away, well, I'm actually paying a premium, but my service stinks. I'm not paying a premium. I'm not willing to pay a premium for crappy service. So you leave. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I, I have fired a, a number of financial planners and even, even CPA firms because of. Just that one piece. I don't mind paying the extra. But if I I saw this article, I'm ringing the doorbell. I keep ringing the doorbell. Nobody's opening the door to see what I need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's super, super important. And again, I think even just, in, I know we're kind of going off the topic a little bit here, but I think it's important for even just, even when there's not a, a pandemic situation or economic downturn, revenue. So many people are just so focused on chasing that next dollar of revenue mm-hmm. that they neglect their existing customer base. Another statistic, uh, you, you can tell I'm a numbers nerd, right, Peter? Um, but I like to back things up. Look, I, I, get, I, I, I find out things, and some of, sometimes it's theoretical, and I look for statistics. Is there anything that backs this up, or is this just my crazy brain thinking this crap up, right? Yeah. And this is another one of those things that, I, at least my, me personally, when I came up, uh, found this, I'm like, holy crap, I didn't realize it was that big. of all of you, incremental, your new revenue comes from your existing customer base. For the average business, 65%. Now, if you're losing them, you're not retaining them, you're losing out on that 65% opportunity. So super, super important. And and again, customer service. If you you don't have good customer service, you're going to lose them. Why is, why is, uh, think about some of the giants, the behemoths right now that are, some of them are taking some heat, but why do people pay $4 $4 for a cup of coffee at Starbucks. It's not, I mean, I, I don't drink coffee, but I, I mean, I guess it's, I hear it's really good, right? But they can't be the only, they can't be the, yeah, I don't, I know, I'm crazy. It's <laughs> funny, when my wife and I started dating, 
And I, I forget where we were. And I think we're on vacation or somewhere. And we go past the Starbucks. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm probably kind of weird. I don't drink coffee. She goes, oh my gosh, she high fives me. She goes, I don't drink it either. And we were like, oh my God, we got to get married. <laughs> like we're the only two people in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, pe- people go to Starbucks I'm for sure. the experience, not the coffee, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I hear this, the coffee is really good, but they're, they're not the only, they can't be the only place that makes really good coffee, right? There's tons of places like that, but the experience, the name on the cup becomes part of the experience, you know? Um, Amazon. Right. Amazon's taken so much heat, which by the way, side note, I think is a little bit of crap because a lot of small businesses, people don't realize how many small businesses sell on Amazon. Right. And especially during the pandemic when they're the brick and mortars that had to shut down, but they could still sell on Amazon. Right. Amazon helped a lot of those businesses stay alive. Right. Um, side note, but why, why is Amazon continuing to grow? Because how many people have you ever heard say, oh my gosh, I had terrible customer service on Amazon. I'll never buy something from there again. Have you ever heard anyone say that? I never have. You know, I've heard people say get mad about, oh, I don't want to. I want to support a local business mm-hmm. instead of you know Amazon. I get that, but it, Amazon makes everything easy. I, I think the only thing I've heard recently and during the pandemic is the Amazon Prime was not two days; it may have been four days. Mm-hmm. But, that, but that's about the the extent of it. And yeah. and you know that you've shopped at Amazon probably too much when they deliver the package. They know you have dogs. They leave dog biscuits. <laughs> I'm saying that for a friend. Yes. <laughs> yeah, someone you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah someone yeah. someone you might know you may have heard of your neighbor, right? Right, right, right. No, right. so I, I I had experience just recently. I bought some uh, some earbuds from mm-hmm. Amazon. And uh, I don't, I'm not an Apple guy, so they weren't AirPods or whatever the $200 crazy ones are that our kids have, but I don't. But anyway, right, right. Um, so I wear these, you know, earbuds. So they're Bluetooth, of course, or wireless. One of them doesn't work. I'm like, crap. I thought it was me. I tried a couple of ways. It didn't work. I literally go out on my phone, click on the Amazon app. And I'm, I'm telling you this, it takes, it'll take me longer to tell you than it took. Click a couple buttons, right? Go to my orders, go to this one, say this defective unit. They email me a QR code and say, okay, you can take it to your nearest Coles. They could see where I was and they could see, and they sent me a map of all the places, a couple of Amazon places, and then Coles. You could take it to any of these locations. You could take it wherever you want, but here are the five closest to you. There's a Coles like three miles from my house. I had never experienced this. I'm like, well, I'm taking it to Coles because I want to see what this is like, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Peter, I'm telling you, if you haven't done this, it, it was liberating, right? I walk in, I don't have the box, I don't have crap. I just have the little the little thing with it. I walk in, there's a kiosk in Kohl's with uh, an Amazon person standing there, an Amazon kiosk. And I walk up and she said, how can I help you? And I said, yeah, I need to take these back. And she said, do you have a QR code? Held my phone up, she scans it. I'm standing there and she's looking at me. I'm looking at her, she's <laughs> looking at me. I'm looking at her, awkward silence. And she goes, is there something else I can help you with? And I'm like, "That that that's it? Did you need me to sign something or did you need to? She's like, oh, no, we got everything we need. I'm like, well, I didn't have the box. I'm really sorry. She goes, oh, no, we'll take care of it for you. Don't worry about it. And so I'm standing there still like I couldn't believe like that's it. That's all it takes. And I'm like, okay. And the woman's like, did you need something? Like, you know, trying to be helpful because I had this dumbfounded look on my face. Like that was just way too simple, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know when they put that in. Again, that's a summer service. Like it's so easy. I'm not sure when they put that in. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure either. But I, I, I've I've returned three or four things over the last few months, and I just take it to the UPS, and I walk in, and they go, "What do you got?" I went, "Amazon." Thank you. Bye. 
but the other yeah. side, but <laughs> the other side of that that story was you know talk about Amazon you know they get their the prime members get it within a couple of days actually so that turned into almost like the next day when my first book came out I was thinking about fulfilling it by myself and, and my people that do my website and marketing they said can you fulfill it faster than Amazon <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. No, no. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, why, why compete? They can, I'm sorry, you know, the royalties aren't as great, but, you know, they're, if it's going to take 10, 10 days to two weeks versus two days, I, I'd rather have that happen. Absolutely. I, I went through the same exact decision process matrix with my first book. I'm like, ah, I'm not paying. I saw the royalties. I'm like, I'm not paying Amazon that. Yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> and then as I thought about it, I'm like, okay, so if I order 300 copies, in my book, I got to store it somewhere. I have to do order fulfillment myself. And, you know, like you said, and then I got to get to the, you know, the UPS, UP, uh, post or whatever, however, and yeah. ship them, you know, just a huge pain in the butt, which I still do to some extent, right? It's people here and mm. here and there, but um, I mean, you can't beat it. You cannot beat it. It's just, uh, it's, it's hitting the easy button. And, and people, <laughs> a lot, and a lot of people forget. You know, when when Amazon, when Bezos especially was taking all this heat during the pandemic, oh my gosh, his net worth has gone up by, you know, a bazillion dollars, all this stuff. People forget Amazon started out as a bookstore. <laughs> that's all they were. That's they all, just sell that's all it was. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. And but Bezos is like, I'm going to build this great business where I sell books online. And then, now look at it. Like, what can't you buy on Amazon? Like, seriously. <laughs> you can have your drugs, your, your, pharma, your pharmaceutical drugs. Uh, through Amazon, and and I, I saw an, uh, an ad where it, even, it tells you this is what you take for this day, and it's this. It's like, what's next? Well, here's the thing. That's the that's the thing. People, if people are upset about you know how large Amazon's become, they're going to be really upset in like five years because now that Amazon, one of the things that Bezos has done is he's reinvested in his business a ton, mm-hmm. and so uh, they have that infrastructure now. Now they can do, I mean, I was just telling someone this the other day, I said, what about Amazon getting into the food delivery service? And they're like, why would they do that? I'm like, they have all the infrastructure. They have drivers out on the road, you know, not 24 seven, but you know, whatever, 16 hours a day, they already have that infrastructure. Why wouldn't they say, hey, you know what, Uber Eats, you're on, you got a new competitor, you know, as an example. Well, that, I mean, so if you remember a few years ago when uh, they had, the demand for online shopping far exceeded their expectations and packages mm-hmm. weren't arriving by Christmas. Bezos mm-hmm. said never again. And uh, Wilmington, Ohio, about an hour, not even an hour south of here, there was used to be a DHL uh, airstrip. They just land uh, there. All of a sudden, some yeah. friends of mine down went, I'm, I'm seeing these Amazon planes taken off from here. And that was the start of the of building the fleet of airlines and vans that it wasn't going to happen to them again. So yeah, that reinvestment back into Yeah. So much so, I and I used Amazon and we going off I took us on this Amazon tangent, but I, okay. I one of the things I when I talk about cash flow, and I think a lot of times business owners are almost embarrassed. You know, you've been in business 10 years and I'm having cash problems. I'm like, look, People don't realize this. Amazon ran into a cash flow issue. This is about 10 years ago. So they weren't as big as they are now, but they're mm-hmm. still really big 10 years ago. They ran into a cash flow issue. It wasn't because they weren't selling. They had revenue coming in like crazy. And that's the whole point with cash. It's not necessarily that you're not bringing money in. It could be that, but it's there could be a variety of other issues. And Amazon's was, they had made 
they had a budget and they had projections on revenue. And based on those projections, they were reinvesting in the business, in technology and in other things, right? And so they were making those investments, but their revenue was falling short. Mm-hmm. So they're still bringing in a, a ton of money, but they had, they, they were, I don't know, I'll make the numbers up. They were growing at 20% instead of 30%, right? They're still growing, but they were investing as though they were going to be at 30% growth. And so they ran to some cash flow issues short term, mm-hmm. but um, you know, there's no, there's no shame in that. I mean, even, even companies like that can run into cash flow issues given a, you know, specific circumstances. So. Well, you just made me think of something. Uh, and so I used to be a lender uh, for a bank, uh, commercial real estate lender years ago in the Florida marketplace. And lenders would be competent bonus on the amount of revenue they put on the top line. Uh, and I know some lenders were out there that were given, literally making the deal at whatever cost that was beneficial to them, but they had no idea what the cost structure was for that loan. So they may have booked mm-hmm. the revenue, but the the expenses to to manage that just ate it all away and then some. And and I'm hearing you know I'm I'm hearing this conversation happen again in lending. I'm hearing this conversation happen again in, in insurance where 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 incentivizing salespeople on gross revenue versus profit, but to their in their defense they have no idea what that cost structure is. They don't know what the floor is on some of their products. They're not pricing them correctly. Absolutely. No, I, I ran into that in the corporate world, gosh, a million years ago. But I, I went, in, I moved into uh, our wealth management division when I was uh, back. I, this is probably actually Bank One days pre JP Morgan, but they allowed salespeople to give um, uh, discounts up to thirty percent, blanket, like not on specific products. Just bl- you can go up to thirty percent. And you still get the same commission. And so, of course, you're a salesperson. You know, I come in, exactly. I see the look on your face, Peter. I, I come in and I, I go, well, what's a salesperson going to do? They're going to go, oh, do you want a discount? Okay, I'll give you 30%. Like, um, and so what, that was what was happening. There were some products that just you couldn't afford. There were, the margins weren't there to give a 30% discount. They just weren't there at all. Um, and the other thing related to that, and even tying back into cash flow, is uh, you know I've got a couple businesses I work with that they have cash flow problems. They pay out their salespeople, they pay out their commissions when the revenue you know when it gets booked, right? When mm-hmm. someone signs a deal, they go, oh, okay, hundred thousand dollar deal, you get you know whatever I don't know ten percent, right. you get a ten thousand dollar check. Well, meantime, uh, Carl the customer, fast forward, maybe Carl never pays. The revenue never comes in, but I paid you ten thousand dollars in commissions. Um, so a huge mistake there for anyone who might be doing that. And so what we did was in that business specifically is because what was happening is the salespeople, again, people will, if whatever you incent, you're going to get a lot of it. So right. you have to be very, very careful about that. So they're just booking sales. And we talked to one sales guy who <clears throat> ended up being let go, but um, he would, he did, he knew some of these customers were just didn't have the wherewithal to be able to pay, but he was booking the sale anyway, because he knew he was going to get paid whether they paid or not. Right. And so we changed it. So uh, the salespeople were responsible and you didn't get paid commission until the customer paid. And so now oh. the salesperson has a vested interest in ensuring that their customers paid. So they don't want to book someone that they're going to have to waste time on that they know is not going to pay. Mm-hmm. Number one. Number two, they become a pseudo collection person. <laughs> and it, it sounds a little bit awkward, but it's actually easier. Think about it. If you have, uh, you know, a lot of times what ends up happening is, you know, your receptionist or something is the one that's making these collection calls and it's awkward and they don't know the person, blah, blah, blah. Right. Your salesperson already has a relationship with those people. Right. 
you know, it could be like, oh, Peter, come on, you're killing me, man. Like, what's going on? I haven't paid your invoice yet. You know, you know, kind of joking around. You can, mm-hmm. you make, you have that conversation. So we essentially made them kind of, sort of, you know, not all the time, but when, when necessary, because they had that vested interest in making sure. And then they weren't booking deals with, with clients. They knew there were no way could pay. Right. Um, flip things right around cash flow wise massively. Yeah. That's, I, 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 I've never quite understood that, that math. And I know it's still out there today. Uh, and going back to the whole fortress balance sheet, when mm-hmm. you're when you're when you're when you're not pricing your products enough to to cover its cost to make margin, you're not building a fortress. No, that that's the that's the big leak. Yeah, yeah, and that's it, what that creates is it's funny. Uh, it, <laughs> I call it the silent business killer. That's what it creates. And I call it the silent business killer because, and, and what that is, the definition for me is those are products or services you have that are unprofitable. Now, when I usually tell business owners that they look at me like I'm a goofball, which I kind of am, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, I call it the silent business killer because, of course, the business owner says, Ken, why would I have a product or service that is unprofitable? I'm like, that's the point. You have it probably. You don't know it though. So right. it's silently killing your business. And then oftentimes what happens is, those products or services are your highest volume products or services. So now all of a sudden you're just running in quicksand and you run into that situation where if one's ever run into this, man, that's exactly where to look. You got revenue. Maybe your revenue is going up. Your sales are increasing. You're having cash flow problems and or using money. And you go, wait a minute. One of these things doesn't belong. How can I be going up in sales, but losing money? How can I be going up in sales, bringing more money in, but losing money? Um, that's what it is. The silent business killer the Grim Reaper is standing outside your door. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, and and one, of the ways, one of the biggest mistakes I see made with that, Peter, is that owners look at gross margin, right? They focus on gross margin instead mm-hmm. of net. Mm-hmm. And so they go, oh, well, my gross margin is 60%. Well, yeah, but you, your, your admin overhead expenses eat that all away and then some. And oh, by the way, sometimes you give discounts. So now your gross margin on certain things are not as big. And which ones do you give discounts on? Oh, big orders, <laughs> right? Big a dollars. big job, a big project, a big one. You want to land it because you're with the prospect of future business. So you give them a giant discount or whatever. And it's like, oh, crap. You know, now you just really killed yourself. Which reminds me, you told a story to me the last time we were talking about something along those lines with one of your clients that uh, was, t- I don't know if it was construction or whatever, but was bidding low to try to get the job, but it was unprofitable. And you set up some structure for them a- a- in order to be profitable. And he still came back at some point and said, can we do this? And it's like, uh, share that. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So before I started working with this business, um, they, they were, they do about a million a year in revenue and, uh, they, so I, they, they bid out this job in like, I don't know, February, March timeframe. I start working with them in June and the job was a $220,000 job. So of course you do a million dollars in revenue, you have an opportunity to do a $220,000 job. Holy crap. You jump, jump at it. Right. right. Well, he bid it very aggressively, just like I mentioned. And we get to the end of the year and his revenue was the highest it had ever been. But he barely made any money. And he said, that doesn't make any sense. He said, and, and honestly, and, and by the way, I would do the same thing, right? He looks at me. You're, I hired you mid-year. You're supposed to help me make more money. What the hell happened, right? Right, right. <laughs> and I said, well, hold on a second. Here's what happened. You know, this particular job, so that job cost him $260,000. $220,000 in revenue, but the expenses associated with two sixty. dollars 
So I said, I had to explain to him that if you would have not done this job, your revenue would have been lower by 220, but your net income would have been higher by 40. And he's like, hold on. So I had to whiteboard it out for him, right? <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. T account it, Peter. I didn't T account it, but I had, whiteboard, I had to whiteboard it out for him to explain it to him. And he's like, you would have thought that I just, like, I solved the Pythagorean theorem for him. Like, he's like, mine was blown, like, holy crap. And so I made a pricing model for him and said, this is how we're going to price jobs. Any job over X, this is how we're going to use this pricing model. And so, yeah, you're right. He came back to me. He got another job with a large company. And he came back and he's like, pricing model says I should be charging X. And I said, okay, then that's what you bid. He's like, well, if I, if I do that, we'll never get the job. And I said, you're missing the point here, bud. <laughs> if we can't do it at that level, at that profitability level, we don't want the job, right? So I had to go back and ex- re-explain, you know, so what you're going to run into is so you bid, you know, you bid more aggressively and it costs you more. You're going to lose money. And by the way, these big jobs are typically a big pain in the butt too. So you're losing money and you know creating more strife, chaos in your business. Um, so, yeah, it's just super important. I mean, again, that's that's when I have when I start working with a client. I have I call them three pillars pillars of financial success: uh, cash flow, budgeting, and pricing. And we start with those three. Okay. And some businesses only need help in one. Some only need all three, whatever. But in my mind, you have to have those three right as a foundation. Those are the three legs of your stool. And once you have those right, you can build on it. But if those three things are wrong and you start to duplicate, replicate, and grow, you're growing off of a crappy base and it's going to crumble at some point on you. Like an economic downturn or a yes. pandemic or something like that. <laughs> We've gone complete full circle here, Ken, in, 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 <laughs> a, ve- in, in a very improvised way, I might say, that yes. we, 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 we went different paths, but we came back to where we started. That causes a lot of uh, businesses' issues with not having that fortress balance sheet is basically maybe it just comes down to pricing, probably mm-hmm. pricing your products and services. So you walk away making money versus losing money. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the other thing. Think about it this way. Uh, and I know it's, when I say it, it sounds really obvious, but sometimes people don't take that step back or, or pull their head out of the weeds as a business owner. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that you're just running around putting out fires all day. You don't have a chance to think strategically sometimes is, you know, a, a, a 10% error in pricing when you're doing a million dollars a year is one thing. When you're doing 10 million a year, it's now 10 times the problem. So now mm-hmm. it's like, holy crap, mm-hmm. you know, I just lost you know, a million dollars because I have a 10% problem in my pricing. Whereas, you know, when you're doing a much lower number, it's, it's just not as material. It's the, 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 the ratio is still the same, but it's not as material dollar wise. So right. it, and again, that's the whole theory of, you know, you're building on this, in, you know, unstable base. And so, like I said, at some, at some point it comes crumbling down. Um, like I said, most of the time that sign business killer, that, that pricing uh, situation is, our products or services that are your high ones, right? There's some of your lowest, lower cost ones that are getting people in and people buy those. And hopefully you have an opportunity to do additional business with them. But again, you could be selling that product or service like hotcakes, but every unit you sell, you're losing money. Right. Um, and sometimes you don't get a second chance or sometimes there isn't an upsell or, you know, and the other part, the other dangerous part I should mention with, you know, when you're bidding on a project like that and you bid very aggressively and you, with the idea, and I know it's easy to fall into this mindset, but you say, oh my gosh, this is with fill in the blank cash cow uh, prospect that, uh, that I can do business with. Man, if I can get my foot in the door, let me get my foot in the door with this one job. And my gosh, I'm going to make 
just tons of money in the future. Well, the problem is you bid so aggressively on that initial job and you got your foot in the door. They come back to you for job number two and you give them your regular pricing and they go, this pricing stinks. And you go, well, but that's what, and they go, oh, no, thanks. We're good. So you got one job and you lost money on it and you get no future business out of them. So you set the precedent with that initial thing. So, you know, the, the silly example, and this is kind of dated, I guess you could still, still applicable, but for me, it was dated. I, I use the example of eBay. When you bid on something on eBay, you can set a price limit, right? It could be the current price on that thing is five bucks. And you can go, what am I willing to spend on that product? I'm willing to spend $17. So you put your bid in at 17 and eBay, if you're un, for those unfamiliar, will bid until it gets up to your $17 and then it'll stop bidding. So it won't automatically go from five to 17. It'll go from five yeah. to six and someone else bids eight, it'll put you at nine, right? Until you get to your 17. Right. And I said, you have to have the eBay pricing mentality. Set your price at 17 and that's it. I'm not going, you know, for, in the business perspective, I'm not going to, I can't do this job for under X mm-hmm. because doing so is going to cut into the margin that I want to be at. I want a certain net margin I want a 15% net margin. I'm not doing this job at 7%. Like that's just silly. I'm not going to do that. I, I refuse to take jobs at 7%. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's super important to sort of have that mentality. Circling back to that story, he did uh, actually a funny follow-up to the follow-up. So that story where I told you, he, did, he even came back to me and said, hey, if I, I'll never get this job if I bid it at this. I said, well, too bad. You got to do it because it's going to be unprofitable. Mm-hmm. So he sends it in at my price, loses the bid. Mm-hmm. Probably secretly was ticked off at me, right? <laughs> you know. Uh, so the last meeting we, had, I think, is subsequent to the last time you and I talked. Last meeting we had, he came back and he said, "Hey, you know that job that I lost because you told me to bid it?" I'm like, "Yeah." He said, "They came back to me because the vendor that took it on must have figured out that they couldn't do it at that price, so they just stopped doing work on it." So now that huge company came back to him and said, "Hey, can you pick this up for us?" And he said, well, yes, I can. And they said, well, we need it done by X, right? It was the end of their fiscal mm-hmm. year. We need it done by X. And he said, well, if I got to re- reallocate resources to that and delay other jobs, it's gonna, it's, there's a premium associated with that. And they're like, tell us how much and we'll write a check. <laughs> so it ended up working out really, really well for him. <laughs> wow. So again, he's like, oh my God, how did you know that was going to happen? I said, I had no idea that was going to happen. But you know, it, it's just... Uh, I think that really helps cement with him that one client at least like, okay, this is definitely the way I need to do things. I said, don't expect that's going to happen with every job that you lose out. Uh, but yeah, it was, it ended up really well. I, I started this podcast by introducing us Nostradamus. I, I think he just came full circle on that, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Not well, at all. But, but it's, you know, <clears throat> you're well-versed in the world of business and how it works. Entrepreneurs have tend to have a sales mentality and, and tend to have, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll chase that, but we tend to forget about the other pieces. And I, I uh, if this pandemic maybe has done anything, maybe it's made a lot of companies think, wow, I, I, okay, maybe I survived, or even if I didn't survive, what do I need to do in order to never have let this happen again? Because as you said, well, I, I, my, my, my mom, things go up, mom, like in the stock market. They come down, they go back up, they go back down, they go back up and recessions and stuff. But you can look at that trend line mm-hmm. and, and you can see and, and just expect it and, and just have and get out of, I think you said the, the, the fact that I'm in happy mentality and going, you know, well, we've been doing well for five, six, seven years. Maybe I need to start planning for that 
downturn or that recession or if it doesn't happen, we're just even better off. Absolutely. Absolutely. So being positioned with that strong balance sheet, think about it. When a downturn happens, a pandemic, whatever, Mm -hmm. um, first of all, you're not losing sleep at night because you know you're rock solid. You know you've got X. I could have whatever, depending on the cushion you build. Let's say, for example, I could have no revenue for six months and I could pay all my bills, right? You're going to sleep pretty good. Like, how long is this going to last? Probably not six months. Whoops, it's actually lasted longer. Than six <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> actually, not fully because we've reopened. But um, you know, it's going to help you. It's going to take a lot of stress off of you, right? You're going to feel a lot better. You're not going to have cash flow issues because if need be, you run into something temporary. You can dip into that reserve, right? Um, uh, and then replenish it later. Of course, uh, my CFO hat coming back on there. But but no, it helps you tremendously. And then again. When there's a downturn, there are all challenges create opportunities, and in business, the, the, the translation of that is is economic downturns create opportunities. Like I said, not all your competitors are going to be positioned to be able to make it through, and so if you have the capital, when no one else has it, right, and the downturn happens, and you have the capital, you're able to, you know, again, purchase assets perhaps on a on, at pennies or dimes on a dollar, um, acquire a business. Um, and, and again, you could look at that and say, "Oh, well, you're taking advantage of." It. I look at it as it's it's a, you're helping because you're you're saving all those jobs, right? You're saying, "I need you. You're no longer jobless. We need you over here." Um, and their customers, their customers all of a sudden have no supplier, and you're like, "Hey, we can help you," right? Um, right. So I think you know it's super important to have that and be positioned for that. I mean, I'll tell you, all my clients are like, "Oh my gosh!" Like this particular guy with the the with the pricing thing. He was one that was running razor thin. He had almost no reserves. He was stressed all the time, chewing his fingernails off all the time. Like, you know, he's like, and it was funny. He was joking with me after we'd been working together for, I don't know, about six, seven, eight months. He said, Ken, I swear, he goes, not only am I less stressed than like, I literally do. He says, it's not even just a cliche. I do sleep better now because I don't worry. My wife has noticed it. And he goes, and he's pretty thin hair. He goes, he goes, I'm telling you, Ken, I think I might be starting to regrow some hair. I'm like, let's not go too far here. <laughs> he said, well, I know at least I'm not losing more. I'm like, oh, come on. But um, no, it does make a tremendous difference. And, and, you know, like I said, mental health for an owner to know that you have those reserves and you're good. Like, you don't have to worry about, oh, my gosh, what happens if, what if, you know, it could, doesn't have to be a downturn. What if you have, uh, I don't know, 20% of your sales are tired to one salespeople? Right? right, you have some superstar rock star salesperson, and all of a sudden they either leave or, God forbid, something happens to them and they they have to take a leave of absence or have a medical issue. And all of a sudden you go, "Holy crap! Now what? I just lost you know twenty percent. My sales leader is gone. What do I do?" Um, and again, having that 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 fortress balance sheet, have, you're going to feel you're going to be like, "Okay, got a problem, but we can weather the storm pretty easily because I know we've got this." You know. So I can't thank you, I cannot thank you enough for your time. And I'm going to put a thing in my calendar to have you back six months from now, and we're going to revisit this conversation and hear some more great stories on what you've predicted and how your clients have done. But before we do, <laughs> before I let you go, how can people find you? Probably the easiest way is if you Google Mr. Biz, you'll find me. Um, I've got I'm on all the social media platforms. I've got uh, a YouTube channel. That's check out the YouTube channel, Mr. Biz. Um, there's over 100 videos out there. Uh, check it out. Bunch of different topics, cash flow, budgeting, pricing, hiring, like all kind of business related things out there, motivational things even out there. So, but yeah, uh, our website, mrbizsolutions.com. Um, check that out. But yeah, if you Google Mr. Biz, you'll, you'll probably find me whether you want to or not. 
And you can tell by his voice. He has he has a voice for radio. He has his own. Uh, po- uh, do you call it a podcast, radio show, whatever? Yeah, it's it's technically a radio show that gets also released as a podcast. So I, I, don't, I can't really answer that question accurately. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I just so he, he does have a, a radio show, uh, Mr. Bez. It's on your website. Mm-hmm. They can Google it. I just remembered one last story mm-hmm. and it involved. Ariana Huffington. Oh yeah. <laughs> Can you share that real quick? Um, I guess you're talking about the article. Yes, the article. Yeah. So I, um, uh, I'll try to tell a short version of this because I, I have a long version that's actually not. It's 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 worse than PG rated. It's uh, actually, <laughs> in my opinion, a little bit funnier. But I'll, I'll keep it uh, a cleaner version. But I had a person reach out to me and say, "Hey, we're writing um, an article on Yahoo Finance on top entrepreneurs." And we wanted to include you in the article. And you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to be quoted in a lot of articles and I get interviewed a lot and things like that. And so I thought, okay. And she said, well, it's, you know, it's Yahoo Finance. I'm like, okay, so this is some scammy thing, whatever. And I ignored it. So the woman emails me back a couple of days later and she says, hey, were you interested in being in this article or not? So I said, well, give me your phone number. I mean, I want to talk this out on the phone, thinking that right away that if she's a scam, she's going to scare away. I get on the phone with her, and I'm like, okay, well, what's this article about? I'm very, I'm sure I was very snarky, mm-hmm. very short with her, right? And I think the woman at one point got was starting to get ticked off, like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to give you this great opportunity. Do you want it or not? And she said, well, I said, who else can be in this article? How many people? You know, what is it? And she said, well, have you ever heard of Grant Cardone? I'm like, I may have heard of him, yeah. Um She's like, Ty Lopez. I'm like, yeah. She said, Ariana Huffington. I'm like, yeah. And she said, well, they're, they're also going to be featured in this article. And, and I'm, first I was like, holy crap. But then second, I was like, okay, wait, I'm back to the whole scam thing. Like, why would I be in an article with those people, right? Um, but it was legit. It was legit. So the article came out uh, the beginning of October. Uh, funny, slight side note to that story. It was scheduled to come out on a Friday I think at the very end of September, the last Friday in September, it got bumped. Yahoo bumped it because that was the day that it was announced that President Trump had COVID. Mm. Oh, <laughs> so they're like, the story, it'll get buried. Like, well, we're going to release it on Monday. So just hold tight. But it's coming. And, I, and even then, I was like, I, Peter, I told my wife, I go, I knew it. This is a bunch of crap. This is a scam. <laughs> I knew it. it oh, it's going to get delayed on Monday again, you know? But it did come out on Monday and it was, uh, it was very flattering. And it was, you know, they interviewed me and I thought, is they just going to mention me? Like, oh, and, and I'll, be the, I'll be the see others at the bottom, you know? I'll be like, oh, see uh, other entrepreneurs that consider Ken, Mr. Biz Wentworth, and that's it. But it was, you know, it's, I don't know, a uh, couple paragraphs long. I mean, it was, like I said, it was very flattering. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. I'm like, Ariana Huffington and, you know, people like that, you got to be kidding me. Um, so yeah, it's very humbling. But take, take the story just one step further. How, how did you turn it into a social media uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What did you do on social media that just really solidified the story about, didn't you go out and, and follow Ariana Huffington or make a comment or, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I forgot, I forgot about the part. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. So knowing that the, there's only three were going to be in, in the article. So I already follow um, Grant Cardone and Ty Lopez on social media and I wasn't following Ariana Huffington. So I went out and followed her. And so I went out Again, knowing that it was coming out, I went out on their social media and like liked and commented on like five things on every platform for all three of them. And Ariana Huffington, thinking that 
you know, that's going to get me kind of, they're going to see that, or at least someone on their team is going to see that my name with them liking, engaging with some of their social media stuff on all the platforms, almost like, wait, this guy's like stalking us. What the heck's going on here? And then the article comes out and they see me in the article, right? That was the whole strategy behind it. And that's exactly what happened. So I got, uh, I got a DM on Twitter from Ariana Huffington and she said, this is Ariana. This isn't one on my team. You know, sometimes people on my team monitor this, <laughs> but literally she said, someone on my team pointed out that you had engaged with X number of my social media things over the last several days. And I saw you were in the article. I'd like to get to know you. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I, I tried to, you know, utilize that, that, that publicity as best I could. And, uh, you know, it's so it's 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 gonna it's gonna work out we haven't met yet it's on the schedule so hopefully i I, and so now my latest strategy peter is i'm like okay so i think next week we're scheduled to talk and i'm like she's gonna forget who i am it's gonna come to like the tuesday when we're supposed to talk and she's gonna be like who's this guy again (laughs) so i'm like i have to make sure that i keep engaging with her social media stuff so i keep my you know my my name sort of top of mind to her or whatever so (laughs) <laughs> that's, I mean, I, I love when you told me that story. I said, God, I, I would, I love that strategy that you did, and, and it's working out. And you get to meet her, um, so we'll have to have a follow up. Uh, just uh, how how that how that goes. I assume it's on Zoom, or is she flying you out on her plane? To- well, I, here's the thing. It's funny you say that because I said I, I when she had her she she copied her assistant and said, hey, you know, set up some time with Ken. And so I told her assistant, I don't even know where she's based. But I'm like, I'll fly wherever it is yeah. to meet her in person. Yeah. Like, even if it's 15 minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm like, oh, well, I can, I can meet in person. And she's like, where are you based? And I don't want to, of course, be untruthful. So I said, I'm based in Columbus, Ohio. And she's like, oh, there's no need for that. And I'm like, I couldn't even say because I hadn't, I screwed up and didn't do my research. So I don't know where she's based at the current time. So I, I I couldn't even say oh well I'm gonna be you know name some somewhere nearby you know along that along, in those dates and I could be you know be there so because I I was willing to do that I'm like I'll hop on a plane I'll I'll pay for a ticket and hop to to be able to get that 15 minutes you know one on one face to face as opposed right. to over Zoom or a phone call so right right, right. Uh, <laughs> well, well, I can once again thank you. I, I love the stories. Uh, I, I, I that just popped into my head right at the end, and, I, and that was one of the things I, I, I had written down um, uh, uh, the Yahoo Finance article. Guys, audience, look this guy up. As you can tell, very bright, knows his stuff. If you need help in your business, who do you call? Mister Biz. Mister Biz. That's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> Uh, and by the way, he does live in Columbus, Ohio, and, and he is a Buckeye fan because he's got a shirt on that says, I'm a Buckeye. I'm a Buckeye nut. Yes. <laughs> so, so go Bucks. Thanks again, Ken. I appreciate it. And I look forward to our next conversation. Yeah, absolutely, Peter. I appreciate you having me on again. It was a great time. I would like to thank Ken for his time, his stories, and his financial knowledge. And if you're looking for a fractional CFO, you should contact Ken. ASAP. You'll sleep better at night with Ken as your fractional CFO. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Also, please subscribe to and share this podcast episode with a friend. I will conclude with an improv quote that is fitting for this interview. No one will ever follow you down the street if you're carrying a banner that says, Onward Toward Mediocrity. Have a great day and be safe out there. 
Like what you just heard? Visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.